There are few people who love tarpon fishing as much as Joe Rodriguez or chase them as hard. Regardless of the weather or time of year, you can usually find him out on an edge somewhere with his eyes burning holes in the water looking for that elusive fish. Like many great fishermen, his ancestors immigrated from Cuba. Raised by his hero, his mom, he drove himself hard to possibly not only prove something to himself, but a father who left a great family stranded. Here's his story. We broke everything. We broke lines. We broke hooks. We broke rods. We broke our minds. We broke marriages. We broke the whole thing. We uh, came up with the idea of going out that night and chasing girls, and whoever had the biggest pair of panties won the pot. I knocked another arrow, and he turned around the other way, and I shot him going through the other way. So I double-lunged him both ways. But it was nothing for us to paddle an air mattress out into government cut. I got him on. All right, now we're going to teach him a lesson. I'm just an old guy that likes to fish. I'm not quitting yet. And he said, well, who the hell do you think you are, Sue App? And I said, that's exactly who I am. Life's journey to the grave should not be one arriving with a pretty, well-preserved body, but rather skid in broadside in a cloud of smoke, thoroughly torn out, thoroughly used up, proclaiming wildly, wow, what a ride. <laughs> There's something fishy going on here. All right, Joe Rodriguez, uh, the greatest friend of the poon. I don't oh. know of anybody who loves the poon more than you. Oh, man, I don't know about that, Andy. You love him. Nikki loves him. A lot of my buddies love him. But um, they, uh, I feel like in a way they saved my life. So, yeah, I and, love him. And, and in what way? Um, You know, at a young age, I didn't have a father figure around very much he left I, when you were young right very very young how I old a, were you i was a baby really where yeah. were where was your family miami miami so my sisters were all born in cuba right and i was the only one that was born here in the states it's amazing how many fly fishermen flats guys came from cuba ended up in miami and the miami in the early years with flip oh, yeah. and chico norman duncan oh yeah uh J little john emery yeah that was almost like the the birthplace. Absolutely, of flats. Fly Absolutely. Fishing. Absolutely. And so I, these, and these I, are and all I, great mentors of yours, obviously. Uh, oh yeah, absolutely. Growing up, I I, I grew up uh, reading the Miami Herald on the weekends on Thursdays and Sundays, and I couldn't wait to see what the Who, guys in the Met were doing because that was such a big deal to me. Right. You know? um, even at a young age, I was one always wondering who this Ralph Delft guy was, man, this Ralph Delft guy is a badass. His name is like, it was like a leaderboard in the golf tournament. Oh yeah. It's like Ralph Delft, Ralph Delft, Ralph Delft, Ralph Delft. So yeah, I was for, for some reason and, 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 and actually growing around, growing up around guys that had nothing to do with fishing. I was the only one, like all of my friends. I had one buddy of mine when I was growing up, Young, young, young friend of mine that still friends to this day that we fish together. But I never had. Why'd your father leave? 
who knows? Another woman, if it, you really want to know the truth. Did you ever have a relationship with your dad after that? I did, but it was very... Artificial. Yeah, yeah. You know, they... Uh, so he was never really embracing no. your upbringing. No, having no, a relationship no, he wasn't. I, I, I don't remember much at all till early, early, early teens, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13. But my dad, my dad had a, a massive heart attack at 37. And died? No, he didn't die. Died at 50. But my dad had a massive heart attack at 37. Um, and... I don't know what the fuck happened. Excuse me. Excuse the language. I don't know what happened after that. He had a midlife crisis. I don't know what happened, but. So no contact with him. I I don't remember any, Nikki. Did you go to the funeral? I did. What were you thinking there? I, I, I couldn't cry for three days. It was, you know, back then the Cuban, the Cuban funerals usually went for 36 to 48 hours. You know, the viewing. Sure. So. To me, it was very, I don't know. I, I don't even know how you, <laughs> thinking back, because I do think about it, right. you know, thinking back, um, it seems surreal. But at the same time, my mom had taken over my dad's place sure. times a times hundred. So... You know, you have this, I, I felt like I had this artificial love for my dad. But let me ask you this. Yeah, no, I understand that. But was your mom a father figure, even though she had taken over the role of, of your father? I mean, I would think that would be kind of hard to do. At the time, dude, I was afraid to screw up because of my mom. If it wasn't for my mom, I wouldn't be here, I think. Fishing and my mom were the two things that I know for a fact saved my life. Did she beat your ass? No. No, how would she scold? How 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 did she install fear in you to keep you on this on the up and up and the straight and narrow? She was very, um, she was a very no bullshit type of person. My mom, my mom was very strict, um, and we my sisters and I respected my mom to the. I don't even like. You never wanted to let her down. Oh, man, I was so afraid to let my mom down. That was the one thing that always kept me. Every time I wanted to veer or I thought about veering, it was my mom that I did not want to disappoint. And and till the day she died three years ago, I still lived that way. I would never tell my mom if I was going through something, if I was having an issue with a, with an ex or... I tried to keep her as much out of it as I could, but you know, moms have intuition, man. And they know, they know when their son, and, and, and I was the only boy, all my sisters are older. So I had this relationship that I have with my mom is like, I'll probably never have a relationship like that in my life. It probably carries on to this day, even though she's already gone. Oh yeah, bro. I think about my mom every day. What was her name? Elsa. Every day. What was her life like? What did she do for work? She, 
Well, when she, they, my, my sisters, my mom and my dad, I think they, they came to my, they came, they went to New York from Cuba in the freedom flights in 64, 65. Right. They land there and my mom hates the cold. She tells my dad, listen, this, from what I remember. No bueno. Mom, yeah, no bueno. <laughs> <laughs> that's my, we, we that's gotta, the extent of my Spanish, no gotta, bueno. We got to get the hell out of here, yeah. you know? So, um, they moved to, I, I think they might've stopped somewhere in between. I don't know. I'd be maybe South Carolina. Cause I have a lot of family in South Carolina, a lot of family. The, my mom had 13 brothers and sisters. Wow. So Catholic, of, obviously. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Very. My grandfather didn't fuck around, man. <laughs> um, so my mom, my, actually my grandfather's first wife died. And then he remarried. And then my mom's mom died very young. Mm. My mom's mom died maybe in her 50s from a diabetic coma, I think. Um, so um, they all came to Miami. And um, I was born in 71. And I was the only one born. I was the only one born here. My sisters were all born in Cuba. Um, and uh, thank the Lord, man. I love I loved growing up in Miami. I just don't like what Miami's turned into now. I mean, that's that's why I'm down here now. Yeah, it's it's interesting to speak with uh, Chico and Paul Tejera and and the, I was uh, going to say Paul Tejera's dad did the same thing: Cuba, New York, Miami. You they know, hated the cold, man. Well, you know, right in the early '60s, you know, Castro had taken over and basically consumed all the real estate and all the wealth, and oh yeah, you know, uh, Andy, we have horror stories. The family. Horror stories, horror stories. What's the up, what's just, the worst one? Just you know, family members being yanked out of their houses and going to work on fields and yeah, right. stuff like that. And right, it's a dictator that yeah. And 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 to be honest with you, they had the opportunity to come earlier, and my dad said no let's hang here let's hang here let's hang here and my sister and my mom and my my mom was like we need to get the hell out of here you know what i'm saying right like, we need to go and they left with nothing right nothing i mean i could tell you from the moment i was a baby to the moment i can remember um uh, maybe seven or eight i i i, I slept in my mom's bedroom in a little bed. Well, she was mom. very intuitive to get the hell out of and there. And my sisters all lived in, they, they all lived in this, they all slept in the same room in bunk beds. Right. For fucking, I don't know how long. Right. My whole childhood, when I went into my sister's rooms, there was bunk beds. And they fought. <laughs> Holy shit. Like living with a it bunch of crazy. cats. It was crazy. Let me tell you something. Um, there's been a lot of times where I've said, man, if I can only have a brother, you know what I mean? But I got, I got brothers and guiding and right now different ways. Yeah. Yeah. My sisters are awesome. Growing up with women, most guys think, man, this guy's going to be softy, softy, whatever. And it was actually the other way around. It toughened me up early. Right. To take dad, care of them. Because my dad wasn't around. So you became that father figure. 
the protector of I wasn't asked to I did it. Yeah. You just knew that that was your your role. I remember my I remember at my dad's funeral my uncles you know I was 14 I think 14 or 15 my uncles grabbing me and you know you're going to have to be the Oh yeah. Man of the house now and I'm like You had no idea what that meant. Yeah. No, you're like looking at everything going around and you're like what the fuck's going on? Huh? Right. You know? What um uh, who became that father figure if anyone? Other than your mom. Later on? Yeah. Or at that at or, that stage. Or the, at, that, at you know at that stage um when I was a teenager I kept a lot of stuff from my mom. I was out there. That mean you were running. Yeah, were I was running. out there and I and I did everything in my power to, to get in trouble and keep it secret. To get in fucking trouble, <laughs> to hide it from her. And hide it from her right. and hide and 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 I can and and I can and I can tell my sisters and my sisters were down enough where they they kind of understood I wasn't getting into big big trouble right. i was just dabbling in it You're you know what i mean kid, a teenager yeah. yeah so so you get so you get to miami when was the first time you held a fishing rod in your hand and what, do you remember your first fish what, oh, were you absolutely. hooked from the start absolutely absolutely so i grew up in miami we grew up when i was a when i was a young 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 kid we grew up around the orange bowl which is like now it's like a war zone there little havana just off little havana off 12th Street, 12th Avenue, and like 6th Street, right next to Jackson, right next to the Orange Bowl. Dreamed about fishing as a kid, but really didn't have anybody to take me fishing, right? So you just dreamed about these things. So when I was about 10 or 11, maybe a little bit younger, 7, 8, 9, we moved to an area in Miami called Fountain Blue Park. In Fountain Blue Park, I was telling you earlier about the two big golf courses they had. I've told Dustin about this, man. I used to tell Dustin. Dustin, as a kid, I used to look at these golf courses. They were freaking beautiful. Beautiful, big courses, too, you know? And um, so we moved to this condominium, and this condominium was surrounded by 36 holes. But, you know, you had to walk, of course, miles to cover all the lakes. And I would cover all those lakes as a kid Joe bass fishing i bet the first fish i ever caught was a bass and i caught fucking thousands of those things i don't remember how many i caught but, but i mean it was had... it was 1980 dude right. i could tell you i would walk those golf courses with i told a buddy of mine the other day i would walk those courses i had nothing my mom i mean we we lived in a two-bedroom apartment we didn't have my mom didn't have 30 bucks to get me to go to the tackle store at that time and go buy a couple of Apollos. And Where'd you get your first rod? Gave it to me. Somebody gave it to me. Isidro gave me one. I owe him, like, I can't tell you what I owe him. He was one of the first dudes that ever gave me a fishing rod. So who was he? He was a guy that my mom and my dad met through a family friends, a family friend of a mo of, of my mom uh, back then when my mom used to go to a, a church back then for a couple of years and she met some people in that church and through one of the guys at that church and my mom met 
my 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 dad and my mom actually after all that time they tried to get back together right before my dad passed away so there was a lot of craziness going on there when it came to me because i was pissed right um i didn't like i wanted to be honest with you looking back at it now as a kid i knew what i wanted i didn't want him there not after what he did to my mom right? and what he did to us. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so, uh, I met the, I met Isidro and he was the first guy to give me a fly casting lesson. And he was the first guy to like, Hey, here's, here's what a plug rod is. And I'm like, okay. And I just basically on my own with a little bit of help from him, of course. Right. But on my own, I taught myself how to, cast a plug rod and one day I'm out on the lake and I was casting my nine weight that my dad had got me and I started double hauling and I was like, holy fucking double hauling, dude, this is crazy. And, and I did it all by myself. I felt like, like it was so in a way it was, uh, I don't even know if gratifying is the word that I'm looking for. It was, Maybe maybe a, a, a realization that there's something other than this life I have with a broken, with my father gone and my sisters. I mean, yeah. here's here's I'm looking at the other side. This is a way to do something different. Yeah, and 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 to get me away from, not that home life was bad. Actually, it wasn't bad at all. Like I can tell you, I didn't I, I didn't grow up with a lot. But my mom gave me everything she had. And my sisters gave me all the love that I can ever fucking imagine. And my mom, you know. But I there was always something missing. You know, mm-hmm. the dad. Yeah. So as a young kid, I isolate I I I, you know, um Kroka is one of my best friends. And uh I see the way that he lives, you know, where he isolates himself and he's very to himself and stuff like that. And I think that that starts at a very uh, early age because I did it. Right. I did it as a young, as a, as a young kid. I always was, at times I had this attitude where if he doesn't have time for me, I'm going to just go. Do it on my own. Do it on my fucking own. I don't need him. Right. Unfortunately, but at a young age, I was already thinking that. And it's carried on because I still do it. You still kind of let you live alone, right? Up, yeah. I've, I, like and, I've, and I've been engaged. Love women. I, I would love to be in a relationship one day again, but I'm the dude that can be with somebody for three or four or five years, four or five minutes or four or, four or, five, or four or five minutes or four or five minutes. And, and then, and then, and then be here by, right. I've been here pretty much bacheloring it out for the last four years. And, and, uh, and what's crazy is I tell Mark all the time, cause he's one of the few dudes that I, that I really, really talk to. Right. And I go, man, I get, I, I, I get scared sometimes cause I get too used to the isolation 
and being alone and and I think it started at a young at a young age where I did that. I know it started at a young age with me. I know it because I was always chasing for uh, a father figure. But after a while, I said, he's not there. He's not there. I don't need him. Yeah. I don't need him. I can, I can go fishing by myself. Yeah. I can go do this by myself. And then you got your, you know, I had my mom. Right. And then later on in life, I I was, um, I mean, you know, when I finally got into the, the serious where I started to fish really heavy and meeting and, and just everything. It, it snowballed, if you will. It snowballed. It snowballed. And not only did it snowball, I think now more than I think back 20 years ago when I first started, you don't think about these things like you do when you're older. Right. How lucky I was to have met Isidro and Al Fluger and Norm Janzig, God rest in peace. He was like, that guy was, I don't know if you probably heard of him from back I, in the I day. I know the name, but I didn't know who he was or what he, he was. He was a guy from South Florida that he was one of the early Met guys that won the Master Angler. And uh, he was, I fished with the, I fished with him for three or four years. And it was the craziest three or four years I ever spent. In what way? Just everything, everything. Just uh, um, all the things that I dreamed about doing. All of a sudden, I meet this guy, and I'm... You're doing him. And I'm fucking doing it. And I'm doing it with somebody that, at the time, in my book, was like one of the kings Mm -hmm. in my eyes. And then, to you know, you, you, you move on, and then you meet Fluger. And, you know, he was, uh, he was one of the best things that ever happened to me. In what way? They all mean a lot, but you're talking something that's... They all mean, absolutely. He, he understood me. And at that age, I was 20, 19, 20, 21, 22. I had some issues man you know i had some i had a lot of stuff that was bottled up anger issues yeah i had anger issues terrible anger issues and 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 i had a horrible temper horrible at that age horrible and i never i i i never unleashed it on people that i respected like them never like i was so afraid i was so afraid to let those guys down or disrespect them that i never did it and and it actually helped. It helped me. I never disrespected my mom. Uh, I never did. We have arguments and like every other family does. Absolutely. But uh, but he he understood me. Um. In a way that 
most people at that most 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 people didn't understand me at the time i had i had a friend of mine that i that's one of my best friends in miami and i, I talk to this guy all the time uh rob hammer and i owe rob so much um i won the met twice because of rob because of his help and we helped each other and this guy's like he 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 is one of the most un- misunderstood dudes I've ever met in my life. He's got a heart of gold, and uh, was, I was was he a guide or an angler? He was a, he guided down here for years. So how did he help you with the Met? Did he just we we were in the same together? fishing club, right? We were in tropical anglers, and I mean, the clubs were huge back then. The clubs were a huge thing back then, right. huge huge in Miami, and that's that's what that's what kicked me. That's what jump started me. Right. Was gave you a direction. Yeah. Fluger fishing with Al was uh, a treat. Every time I fish with him, every time I fish with him, I learned something. And I think, I think there's several of us that are doing what we're doing today because of him. Rob, I'm sure Murphy, maybe Murphy would definitely. I mean, I know Rick fish with, um, Fluger up in Homosassa for four or five years straight. Right. You know? And, uh, so we all learned something from him and he's, he's, I mean, he's, he's one of the nicest people. Yeah. One of the most kindest people giving you'll ever freaking meet in your life. Like I, I remember going fishing with this guy and I'd show up to his house and every time I showed up to his house, he had a ziplock, a ziplock bag for me. And it was either polar bear or some zonker strip he found or some badass hackle that nobody had. Exotic stuff. Yeah. Just materials to tie unique flies yeah. with and stuff. He, and, and, you know, he shot half of the stuff. You know right. what I mean? So, I, you know, I, I'll tell you, it's, uh, we were visiting him recently. We were talking about, because obviously at one point in his life, he became a great hunter. Oh yeah. Not only a fisherman, a great hunter, bird hunter, etc. Great at everything he did. Yeah. And I asked him, I said, what's the greatest animal you've ever hunted or aspired to get really good at in their understanding and killing? He said, a turkey. And he goes into all these these things about a turkey and being in their house and learning how to communicate. They got the best eyes and this and that. And we're getting ready to leave the room. And we look over and Nikki sees this turkey foot. You may have seen it in his house. You know, mm-hmm. it's I remember. mounted with a finger like yes, this. Yes, sir. I've seen it a hundred times. And so Nikki said, you know, talked, started speaking about the first turkey that he'd ever killed this year with his bow and arrow. Getting ready to leave and Al goes, Nikki goes, wow, this turkey foot's so cool. And Al goes, it's yours. Mm. And that was his first turkey he'd ever killed when he was 15 years old. And that's mm. a testament to his generos- generosity. And you know what's crazy? We told Mark Croker that story, and we're telling Mark Croker the story about us visiting Al and how great he was. And he, and he, at the end of it, he goes, "What'd he give you? He gave you something, didn't he?" Before you left, always, always, always. I, I I fish with him off the top of my head. I probably fish with him fifty times. Wow, that's great. And out of the fifty times. Every time gave you something. He gave me something. He either gave me And it wasn't a rusty hook. And no. <laughs> it was either uh you know, he was he was big with Daiwa back then, so he'd 
hey, I just got these whiskers in. And back then, you know, remember the dial whisker reels, mm -hmm. the spinners, those things were like the best bonefish reel forever. Hey, I just got these. You, know, you want one? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. So, so you're catching all these bass on the golf course lake and you later on become, you know, a very successful flats guy in the Florida Keys. What's that gap like? When did you... Was there a point in time where you're like, I'm going to do this for a living. I'm going to become a Florida Keys fishing guide or, or, or fill me in there. So between the bass thing and, and the guiding, I started guiding in 99. I fished the Met from 90. I joined the fishing. I joined Tropical Anglers. Let me give them a shout out. They're, I mean, they're a big reason why I'm here. Um, I fished the Met. God. When did we, Rob, Rob won in 94. So I started as, <laughs> so Rob, I met Rob through a mutual friend of ours. And uh, Rob goes, hey, I'm, I'm fishing for Master Angler this year. I, I need a guy that can gaff a fish and, you know, can rig a few rods for me, you know, basically be my ghillie. And I'm like, man, this is, right up my alley. This is what I'm looking for. I want to like, I want to get into this, you know? So lo and behold, he wins it. And, and on, while he's winning it, you know, the Met back in the day had different master angler categories. You either fished with a guide, then there was the resident self guided, non guided. Right. So, about three months into it, I hadn't even dropped the, the only line I dropped in the water, I swear to God, the only drill line I dropped in the water was while he was fishing his eight pound, because that was an eight pound tournament back then. <coughs> Excuse me. I commercial fished. So I was catching muds and I was catching groupers and, you know, to pay for our gas because, you know, we weren't rich. And we're going to the Tortugas 25 years ago when nobody was going to the Tortugas. Wow. And uh, so about three months into it, I'm sitting at his house. We're having a rum and Coke. And Hammer goes, he goes, you know, Joe? He says, I was thinking, be pretty cool if both of us won Master Angler. And I go, Rob, I, like, I, got, I haven't caught a fish in the tournament. You know, I got to catch... I got to catch eight weight fish now and I got to catch eight releases in two months. And they're kind of like, like kind of at the tail end of the season of the season. Right. Like you're, you're, you're in the Met, in the Met back in the day, you did your, you did your damage December, January, February, March. You know, you got those, you got your big shark out of the way, your big kingfish on eight and all that. And he's like, come on, let's do it. Let's, let's try to do it. And lo and behold, we did it and did it to the point where I was starting to catch up to him. And I'm like, holy cow, wouldn't it be something? <laughs> Your eyes got open there. Yeah. I was like, I okay, can do this. I can hang. I can hang and, and, and why not? Let's, let's try to do it. So sure enough, man, we both win it. And it was a huge thing for me. Cause imagine as a kid, I grew up reading the Met standings 
And now you're that guy in the paper. And now I'm that guy in the paper, and I got Ralph Delph. I see Ralph Delph every Friday afternoon at Oceanside back then when Oceanside was around. And to have Ralph come over at the end of it and say, it was huge. Right. Huge. 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 It was, I've made it. In my book, you know, right. um, and to have him and Fluger and Norman was still around and to have all those guys kind of acknowledgement from the Kings. Oh, it was, it was huge. It was huge for me. Right. It was huge for my, um, cause I always battled with self-confidence as a kid. I was always chasing it. You know what I mean by chasing it? Yeah, sure. Always chasing it. And, and, but. It gave you confirmation. Confirmation, sure. confidence, and, and. And also too, you're now a member of a, of a very exclusive club. You're, you're a, a master angler. Yeah. So long story short, I take a year off. I help another buddy of ours. Uh, a guy named Davey Hurst who isn't around anymore. And um uh, and Davey won it. So, you know, Rob's wife won it three years ago. We both won it the year after. Our one of our best buds, Davey Hurst from Homestead wins it. And he right before I think right after he won it, him and his him and his uh, fiance died in a car accident. Ugh. Yeah, it was horrible, man. Um, so when he did that, I decided to do it again, and I and and the, and the big reason I I did it again, it wasn't so much for Davey. It was it was actually something that it might sound a little cocky to some people or whatever, but. Ralph won it twice. And I looked up to this man so much. And not that I can ever I look. Yeah, I Ralph get what you're Delph, saying. Ralph yeah. Delph is God to me when it comes to all of this shit. He 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 in in my book, there will never be another dude to ever replace that guy. And 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 I and and I like his kids. I know all of his kids, and they're all great. But those are some big ass shoes to fill, for sure. And and you so you wanted twice because you wanted to do it as he did. I wanted to do it like him. And and then there were several guys on our fishing club, like Bill Lindsay and Billy Porter, and those guys had won it multiple times. And I was like, man, maybe I can win it a second time. So the the moral of the story: the second time I fished it, I fished it against one of Ralph's guys, and I'll never forget something funny that Ralph told me and I'll never forget this two stories. But the first story was we were all sitting at Oceanside Marina. And when Ralph sat there, everybody kind of gravitated towards Ralph's table and stopped talking. And we all stopped talking and we just listen. Yeah. And I was sitting there by, by myself with him one morning and, and, 
and he had found out that I had caught this big kingfish off a of flamingo. <sighs> and he goes, he goes to me, he goes, you know, the chances of you winning the big award are slim and none. And I was like, holy cow, this guy just basically challenged you. Oh yeah. Oh no. Basically dismissed you. Oh yeah. And, and, and I could, and I, and, 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 and let me, and let me say this. I stayed at Ralph's house several times. I stayed at Robbie's house at their trailer several times. I was friendly with them. And I, and I tied back then I tied flies for Ralph for free. I would tie app twos cause I was his favorite tarpon fly. He tied an orange, he used an orange and yellow and he tied a redhead with a redhead so and he wanted a redheaded app two. And that's the only two tarpon flies he tied. Right. So imagine bro, I'm tying these tarpon flies for Ralph Delph and I am like taking my fucking time. I am like, <laughs> now you're pissed. Oh, I know. Oh no, no. I just wanted to make sure that oh, they were perfect. They were perfect. Okay. And they didn't foul. And like, I was like, Man, how about if this guy throws my fly, throws it out there, and it's fouled? Yeah, it's. So I, That's I'm, why you tie such great flies now, <laughs> right? No, I don't know about that, but I tie them all right. But uh, and I would underwrap the wing, you know, make sure it would stick up, right? And so, and he would look at him, and he go, and I, you know, some mornings I would walk up to him and I go, like that, and I'd hand him a half a dozen flies. And he looked at me kind of like the first time I did it, he kind of looked at me all weird. And he goes, what are these for? I go, I tied those for you. I said, I know it's, you know, one of your favorite flies. I know you tie app twos and, and the regular original stew app orange and yellow with the red head. And he looked at the flies. And the first thing he says was, he goes, well, you use the right color thread, like red. Mm -hmm. He didn't want like black or brown or whatever, but. Um, I remember him telling me that and I took it to heart. Like I took that to heart. Like when he told me I can fish anybody and win this tournament, I was like, fuck you ain't fish against me. Like I'm not going to sleep. And, and the moral of the story is he beat me. He beat me. His angler beat me, but he beat me. So I was... You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah, in the yeah. grand scheme of things, at the end of the tournament, when you match up what I did with my buddies and what he did with what my guy, what the guy that I fished against did with Ralph, I was like, that was another. Sure. That was another one that, and then to hear it from him and to hear it from Mike close buddies that said, listen, you have nothing to be ashamed of, dude. Yeah. You fished against the best, the goat. Where, how does, where does Steve Huff come into play? Cause oh. you speak with him with such great regard as well. Um, Steve's always treated me like he's known me forever, man. And I don't know if it's cause of my relationship with Dustin. Cause I love Dustin. And, um, I don't know if that has anything to do with it, 
but he's always, always, I, I, I thought the coolest thing that ever happened, one of the coolest things that's ever happened to me was winning the Gold Cup with Julian. And the first phone call that I got was a 239 area code. And it fucked me up. I mean, it like, I'm looking at this 239 area code. That's Everglades City? Everglades City. And he's in town doing a fly school, I think, with Sandy. Right? I think he was, or, or he was fishing with Sandy, one of the two. And uh, it, it was, I, I can't even describe that feeling to have somebody like him that means so much to you. You know what I mean? And, 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 and it was the first phone call, the first phone call I got, it wasn't from like my sisters had no idea. Like they were waiting and everybody else, you know, Crook had called me like right after that. Cause he knows how much it meant. You know how much it means. Right. Right. Sure. Like it's everything you're, as an angler. One of the reasons why I wanted my name on there is cause guys like you were on uh-huh. there and Eddie Whiteman and Craig and all those guys that know what that fucking tournament means to us. Cause I fished that tournament 14 times. This will be my 14th year. And I hope I get to fish it till the day I can grab one. Right. The day I got to stick a fucking gaff in one lip, I'll never do it again. But as long as I can grab them, I'm going to fish that tournament because it means so much to me, even as a little kid going into George Hommel's old shop when the trophy used to sit there and I, right. would, I would walk in there with Fluger, Norm Janzik. That was, well, it was worldwide? Yeah. yeah. And I would see the names on there and I'd sit there and look at the names for him. Oh, my God. Holy shit. So, that you, so basically, if you don't mind me summarizing briefly, the two biggest tournaments of your life were the, the Master Angler and then the Gold Cup, Al Fluger, possibly, and Steve. Norm Janzik. Norm Janzik was huge. Yeah. Huge. So huge. When, so when did you get into the tarpon scenario? I want to get into... Cause, With Al. Yeah, because, you know, at the opening of this podcast, I said one of the greatest, most passionate tarpon fishermen on the planet. Yeah, when people Joe hear Rodriguez. Joe Rodriguez, they think of, they think of the poon. So, so I love those when things, were you man. introduced to the poon? You remember that first yeah, time? Yeah, I absolutely do. I was, I had a TV at, in in Miami. Uh, we had a rotary TV. We didn't have cable, and you know how you used to like flip the pick. I put it on channel two, and I look at the TV guide. I used to look at the TV guide, and I don't know if you remember. There used to be an old show called Outdoor Life, the old Outdoor Life shows with William Conrad. You remember those old ones? Yes. So I'm looking at the, I'm looking at the TV guide and on the TV guide on the caption below, it says tarpon fishing. So I had, we had a VHS man. We had VHSs back then. So we, we went to Blockbuster, you know, when Blockbuster was around, you rented videos and all that shit. I put a blank tape in, not knowing what I'm about to see. 
and I see Stu and Flip in this Tarpon Country show that they did. Right. Right. You've seen that yeah, show yeah, for sure. Where they're running and they got no tower, no polling tower on it. And I'm watching this and I think I was Andy, if I'm if I'm correct, I was probably eleven or twelve. And I saw that. And I saw those tarpons stringing down nine mile. I think they were on nine mile. I gotta ask Flip and Steve about that and, and, <laughs> and Stu about that, but I think they were on nine mile. And you see this big push of fish coming down the bank and you see him slinking and dicking and for the audience, dicking is when the tails are up in the air. Yeah. Sorry about that. Sorry about that. But, uh, and, and I saw this and I was like, holy cow, this is it, man. Like, I don't think it gets any better than that. And then to have everything fall into place the way it did, I was 10 years old, man. I never thought I was going to be a tarpon guide. Never in a million years. In a million years. The only thing I cared about was making sure I stayed out of trouble and that I was catching enough bass to keep me happy when I was a kid. And to see that and then to see how after all these years, you know, it's 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 like skiing, man. You don't ever do that on your own. There's got to be somebody that gets you there. That gets you there. Yeah. Remember and catching your first tarpon? Absolutely. And, and Caught who, it with Eddie Whiteman. Where? At Craig Key. At confrontation point? Yeah. <laughs> you, and, mean, and you, we mean, had, you mean and Ellers we, and Denell's and spot? We, and, and, to be, and to be honest with you, we had a absolute freaking banging fight with John. Already day. back then, with John oh, yeah. Donnell, with John, it, that was already he was already taking ownership of the spot. Yeah, and and you know, I tell me about the fight. And I respect. Listen, I respect John. I really do. I John was when I first started guiding. John was a dude that used to feed me trips every once in a while. And I'm yeah. very, very. He knows that, right? Um, but so. <laughs> So I don't know where fucking Craig Key is, man. <laughs> Who's there first? Like we are. Right. Okay. That that's, we that's are. the and stage. I'm, and I'm now mind you, this is my 15th birthday. I'm not lying to you. This is my 15th birthday. So Isidro's in the boat. And we're sitting there. And I remember vividly we were, it was in the morning and we were looking for northbounders on the on the point there. And we're in there. I start watching these things and it's the first time I've seen these things in the water, like not on TV, but actually coming at me, you know? And he explains to me, he goes, Joe, you know, you know, you know, Eddie was sure. Throw it four feet fucking right. Don't move it. Let it, let it sweep. And I'm like, he had falling current. Yeah. Let it slide let it into sweep. the face. And it was a back cast. Okay. So back then as a kid, I can cast okay. Right. Like he's watching me cast and he's going, he watched me back cast and he goes, I can hear him tell, you see Hedro go, man, he can back cast. That's pretty cool. So laid one out there. And first fish I throw at, woof, fish sticks his head out of the water. I reef this thing, dude. I got so scared. Woof, rip it right out of his face. 
here they come, here they come again, throw back in there, catch one like a 60 pounder, my first one. We go off and fight this thing and we're out in channel two. And as we're idling in, I see two boats coming from the east. Right. Did you leave a push pole there or an anchor no, or anything? Nothing. I, I, you know what, Andy? We might have left. We might have left. Eddie might have been anchored off the back. May have. I'm not. Right. I just wonder if you'd left anything to mark your spot that you that you were there. But he's Eddie Whiteman. Right. Regardless, he's going to say, Eddie Whiteman. Please move. Yeah. In a better way, more difficult. Long way than story that. short, this. So I'm a kid, and this thing just blows up. And, you know, things are said, guys are getting a little close and you get what I'm saying? Now the guns are out. (laughs) (laughs) I remember Mike not saying much, actually. I remember Eddie saying 95% and it was just like. All F-bombs. And I was like, dude, this is so cool. (laughs) (laughs) This is so fucking cool. (laughs) To hear this guy, to hear these two dudes, and then Isidro's in the boat, and he's like, "Man, what's going on here? Like, are we gonna like, are we gonna make it? You know?" And so, long story short, they kind of get in there and kind of get behind Eddie, and Eddie didn't like it, and Eddie was like, "This picks up his anchor, and he runs, and he ran." right down where the, the line oh yeah i mean and then he ran back up the line towards them again and then he turned right back and went towards and then we went towards matacumbi to make sure that ne- they wouldn't see another fish for another hour yeah and he did this shit four times i mean he went <laughs> this way that way and i'm just sitting in the boat i think he had a silver king at the time i'm almost positive he had a silver king and the silver king had a a grab handle and dude i had so much anxiety from like you know as a kid looking at this you're like dude this is crazy this is crazy and 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 my mentor who's with me ain't saying a word he's like i ain't never seen anything like this you know and he's speaking to me in spanish so eddie doesn't understand what he's telling me he's telling me you know he's crazy like, what's he doing? You know, why are we doing this? Let's just go to another, let's just go to another spot. And I'm talking to him like that. And Eddie's running, standing up, you know? And, uh, so yeah, that was my first experience with that place. God, that's hilarious. So you win the gold, you win the gold cup with Julian Robertson. And that was a huge deal for you and Julian. And last year you caught a magnificent, monstrous tarpon. Talk us through that. What, what, how big was that fish, and what oh, were the dynamics played during that fight? So we were actually <laughs> the day before we were out on the ocean, and that is this in the Gold Cup? No, no. This was Just this was fishing. it. This was May. This was May second or third this year, right? And Julian and I, the day before, on the ocean. We were supposed to meet. I tell him, meet me at Conk at 6.30. He's fired up. You know, Jay is fired up. He's like, fuck yeah, 6.30. We're going to the alley. Let's go whack those things, (laughs) you know? So 
they had worm that day. I don't, you guys know that they were worming for three weeks. For every day they were on an incoming tide. On incoming tide in the morning, I was seeing worms. In the morning, it was like COVID. It was yeah. something you, we, no one's ever seen. Yeah. So the day bef- that that day I uh, the the day before I fished with a customer of mine, with a client of mine, and we uh, we had a pretty good day. And and as we were heading back to the dock. I see, I see Dustin and, and, and I see Dustin, Dustin calls me and says, Hey, they're worming here. You know, if you want to, I'm like, Oh, I'll stay for that. Dustin, I'm, we're good, man. So I go, go in and I'm thinking about it that night. And I called Julian. I said, Hey, don't meet me at Conk. Meet me at Croker's house in the morning. And he goes, Oh, you know, Jay's, Jay's yeah, like, right. What's going on? Why are you changing all of a sudden? I said, I got a feeling that something's going to happen the next day. For some reason, I just got a feeling we're going to get a good push of northbounders. Just because they warmed the day before. And there might be a a little transfer mm-hmm. from one house to another. So we go that day. And we catch 10. I, I grabbed six that day. It was retarded. I hate to use that word, but it was crazy crazy like everything you threw at them they bit like we come in throw go off and catch one and it's like the you know we're like at one when point it's easy it's easy it's just it was crazy it was crazy it was crazy i had somebody text me at like it was 11 30 and we had we were like seven for eight and he's like bro you're crazy and i'm like i'm not lying to you i said dude everything we throw at them they're biting everything and we're throwing a, a worm fly so the next day i said we gotta go back there they wormed again so we go back there and there's this cloud bank that's sitting right over the point of long key and everybody knows when there's a cloud bank there it's like death you know what i mean unless you have unless you have a dark enough sky right a dark dark bottom there you can't see it's the sea fans and right rocks and it's it's just hard to see if it's hard cloudy. to see yeah. but if if you have the right if you have the right backdrop you can mohawk them in there you know in the dark and uh so we're sitting there and we caught a couple in the morning and we caught we caught a couple of northbounders and they're pouring <laughs> east westbound i mean and i can't see them till they're like and it's it's twelve o'clock now, and I've sat there and I'm watching this cloud, and it's sitting right over the freaking top of me, and I'm like, it's painful to have to leave there such a choice spot, right? You know what I mean? And I said, I said, why don't we go throw it a laid up fish in the back? Let's go, let's go throw it the hard ones, and he's like. He loves doing that. You know, he's like, I mean, he's reeling that thing at Mach 10, man. So we start running and I said, uh, let's go check the lakes over by the Swash and Lake Nevada and Jimmy's and all that. Billy's Lake and all that. And as we're running, we run by a spot right behind Alamorada. And I see this big, big mullet mud in there. Big mullet mud. 
And I'm like, I ain't passing up food. I'm all of mud. Yeah. I don't know about you guys, but I ain't passing, go, one, I ain't passing one up the first week of May behind Alamrata somewhere. Because if you see a tarpon in there. Yeah. They're yeah. going to eat. They should yeah. be in there. Yeah. And, 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 and big, you know, on top of the fact that they're, the water's right they're in this spot. And usually all those spots, you and I were talking about it the other night. All the fish you caught in the Gold Cup back in the day that were within, I mean, you could see the cars driving on the road. That's where sure. we catch all these big giant ones, you know? Right. And so I ran, and as I'm running, I'm watching this thing, and the mullet mud's like a mile long. I can't do not. It's huge. I make this big loop, come down when, you know, going through the clear water, and... uh Jay looks at me and he says, what do you think? I said, I said, just put a, put something dark on. I said, just put a, you know, a little black toad or a, something they can see anything that yeah. they can see, you know? And, uh, we finally get into the mud and we're seeing a few fish sliding around in the mud and see one laying, throw it at him. Eats it like a potato chip, you know, get them we, we miss them. No, we miss them. Fishes came up kind of fell off and we did that a couple times then i look in towards a shoreline and i see this one fish just laying there kind of 200 200 feet from, 200 feet from shore right and i pull over to it you know and i'm looking at this thing and you know <laughs> when you're looking at them in that mud sometimes you know, they look big, but you don't, you know, big is, you don't know, to get big in the, on. a, a 150 in the keys is a, a, a lifetime fish down here. I think, you know what I mean? I mean, how many 150s have you caught? It's just a handful. I mean, not a lot. You and I caught one in whitewater. Yep. Remember Absolutely. that fish we caught in whitewater? Calm day. Remember that fish? Yeah. Nikki, your dad and I went in there one morning to whitewater in February. The water was gin freaking clear. And we get in there in the morning, we stop in the first spot, and I go, Andy, look out there to the west, and there are strings of them coming in. Strings and strings of them coming in. And there's a few boats around, too. A few boats around. But the water is like, you can see right. the Maharas on the bottom, back in whitewater, right, and you right. can actually see the bottom. Right. And he looks at me, he goes, what do you think? And he, he had a little white lightning on I said, so that's what I would throw right now. Something little, you know, water's clear. First cast, your old man throws in there. We hooked this fish and we landed this thing in 10 minutes, I think, 10 or 12 minutes. I think we had that thing next to the boat. And I grabbed it and Pops tells me. Let me have him. Joe Rod, how <laughs> big do you think this fish is? And I go, it's, I, I thought it was north of 130. You're right. being generous. It's yeah. in the water. You don't know for sure. You don't know. It's big, but. We all know Millstone likes to. Well, that was that back was, in the day. Yeah, back in the day. Absolutely. Yeah. Back in the day. So he goes, let me grab that thing real quick. And he grabs this thing. And I'm wearing my dolphin. <laughs> he grabs this thing and he starts to pull it up. And this thing keeps coming and coming and coming and coming. And then I go, he goes, what do you think of that? And I go, <laughs> how's that 130 fish look I, now? <laughs> I go, that's more like. 160 it was one of the biggest ones one of the biggest ones i think i've ever caught 
in whitewater and and I, I I don't think we taped that fish, but you know, he's seen plenty of big ones and I think I've seen a few and and uh you know we I think we 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 told around with the number for a little bit and I think your dad finally says I think that fish was a solid one sixty ish, one seventy maybe. That's it's a, it was a toad. That's yeah. a big fish. But tell me about your fish with Julian. Um, so that fish. Um, so now you have an idea. I mean, you've caught big fish. You put your hands on big fish, and now you got this big toad laying there. Big toad laying there, and he he he, you know, tucks one in there, and he goes. Now I go. Yeah, I just start bumping along, and it just starts to like, and this thing just. I mean, it was the most gentle bite. It wasn't head out of the water. It was just like, you know, Sip. those, yeah, the straw, you know, those smart ones. Eat. A little sippy they, cup. Yeah, it was like a potato chip. Eats it. Comes tight. And this thing jumps out of the water immediately. And I don't know why I did that. I've never done this. Never done this on a big fish. The first thing I did was go into my hatch and grab my, my, uh, my tape measuring tape and i threw it on the deck and jay hears it bang on the deck and he turns around and he looks at it and he doesn't say anything and we don't say anything for throughout the whole fight we probably said maybe five words to each other well he had to jump in the water this thing went we hooked it it went into the shoreline underneath the dock so i go jay you got to get in the fucking water if you want to catch this thing, you got to get in the water. So I drove over there. We're watching the beach. We're watching the fish swim up like that shallow. And he makes a left turn. He goes right underneath the dock. And Jay jumps out. Jay like hands me his Audi keys and his phone. And he goes here. And he jumps, man. And you know. Jay's a big goofy guy. Thank goodness <laughs> he's 6'5". And he's got incredible skills. Like his hand-eye coordination and his feel with his hands, what he does, like, and 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 I don't want to take credit for it because he's worked on it. Oh no, he's a great natural for sure. He's worked on that harder than any person I've ever fished. But when we first started fishing, he would fight him. And I was like, man, you gotta like, we need to start pulling, pinching, and Mm-hmm. And really pulling on him. And now, you know, I don't even, now he's. You don't even say anything to him. No, yeah. I don't have to. I don't have to. The only thing I might tell him is if we got a a, a, a stubborn one, hey, pull 30 or 40 feet off. I'm going to back up a little bit. Right. You know, he likes angle. the boat. I think he likes the boat a little bit too much, you know. So this fish goes underneath the dock, goes underneath the second dock, goes underneath a third dock. And Julian's. He's underneath waiting, the, chasing. Oh the yeah, fish, and, he, yeah. And, and the coolest thing about watching him was watching how cool he was throughout the whole thing. Like he wasn't fumbling, he wasn't fucking around with his drag. He, he knew what had to be done. He, he had no drag on this thing, no drag, and he was all. And I'm watching the fish run through the the underneath the dock and i'm like there's no fucking way we're catching this thing there's no way like come on the chances of us catch and with a igfa like every you know what i mean it's like so this thing runs 
and we get him and I go, all right, jump in the boat, gets in the boat. We start following him out towards the bay. And this thing ain't running, dude. It's just laying on the bottom, like laying on the bottom. And his paddle was just like, and I'm like, dude, this thing is sweeping. Oh my God. Not, not like, like it's giving up. Not it's like he's moving. Oh yeah. He's he, traveling. And I was following him. I, I, right. and, and I hate doing that. Hate doing that. I don't want to be following the thing. Right. So it, it, it goes off maybe 150 yards north of the docks. And I tell him, pull 30 feet of line off. They pull 30 feet of line off. You know, still tight to him. Right. Pull 30 feet of line off. And I said, just start pulling on his beak, man. Just start pulling on his beak. You're going to slow this thing down eventually. And he started pulling on him and pulling. Because we really weren't. Well, I think when a fish is, when the rudder's doing that, I, I don't think there's really much you can do. Not a whole lot. Till he... So he kind of runs off a little bit of steam and then you can kind of, then when you put the Ungawa on him, you can really, <laughs> you know, you can do some damage. Absolutely. Right. So we couldn't do anything for the first 30 or 45 minutes of this thing. Nothing. Right. We're following this thing around underneath docks. <laughs> and then it turns around and it goes right back to another dock. <laughs> right around. It goes right back towards the same dock. And I'm thinking, no. I'm thinking now this fish maybe has been eating something from that area, you know, the of dolphin bellies or something. Who knows? Because he's like going right back to the same dock. Or he's been hooked before and he's done that trick again or previously and got off. Yeah. Yes. Goes back in there, jump in the water again. Get back. Really? In the, oh yeah. Get back in the boat. Follow this thing back out. Now as we're following him back out, now I'm, I I I get up and I look at the fish and I go, he's ours. She's ours. I go look at her. She's done. Mm -hmm. She's done. We pulled on her for 10 minutes and she floated up. And when she floated up, that I was able to see her directly, you know, 13 or 14 feet a liter hanging out of the rod tip and I could see her. I look at my and I go, holy shit, this thing is freaking big man like bigger than anything i had ever grabbed bigger than that because it was just so long you know right right and so and, you're, and you're fishing igfa legal 16 16 pound test 50 pound pink yozuri did you did it cross your mind to i didn't have a tag if i had a tag i would have done it he knows i would have done it What'd this fish measure out once you got 85 it? to the fork. Wow. 42 and a half girth. But it was it was so long. Right. It was Did you do the math on that later? I did. What I, is that? That's gotta be one. It was it was one ninety one. Right. And the record on sixteen is one ninety one. One ninety one. So And they say that BTT formula might be just it was, a little bit light. The BTT came back, and when I heard it, I almost I got scared. I hung up the phone. It's bigger. Oh, the BTT, BTT I, is I, bigger. I, I meant the tournament formula. Yeah, it might be a little light, and the BTT might be a little heavy. So it's somewhere right in between. Is that what you guys think, or what's? I don't know. I I don't want to say. 
I don't want to be one of those that says, oh, it's a 200 pounder, man. Sure. Sure. Yeah, sure. Yeah. But what did the BTT formula say? It was 230 something. Yeah. That's and it way was, off. It was ridiculous. Yeah. Anyway. It, it, like I called Dustin when, when I either called him or he was call, texting me and I go, dude, I got to call you back. I got this. Yeah, I think you text me too. I gave you the numbers on that. On that one. On that one. Right. But, uh, he sends me a text back. He goes, what are the, and, and I, and, and not only did I have Jay do it once, I wanted confirmation that it was definitely a number. Yeah. I don't want, I don't want the fish doing this next to the boat and you go, Oh, it was 85. No, 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 no. Let's do it right. That way in our heads. Right. Yeah. We know for sure. We know for sure that we caught a fish of a lifetime. And that is official law. And to catch them where we caught them, dude, I mean, I'd rather catch that fish there than any other place in the world. Any other place in the world. Why is that? Because they're so hard. Right. They're so hard. Downtown Colorado. And there's so few fish. Right. That are that big. Right. You know what I mean? Like, you... There's... Guys throw numbers out sometimes and they go, Oh, it was a one fifty. Yeah, you you're you especially do not want to be that guy. I don't want to be that dude. Right. No. Well, unless you not. put a unless you put a measuring tape on a fish, you're really guessing. And even then you're speculating. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. The only way the only way I, I as I was driving away with Jay, we and we took awful pictures of that fish. Awful. For a fish like that, I mean, if I show you these pictures, you're going to look at it and you're going to go, when you look at two of the pictures, you're going to go, holy shit, that's the real deal. Right. But they were awful. And I was so worried about the fish. That you didn't take, yeah. I didn't want that fish to die, dude. Right. No, I get it. I didn't want that fish to die. And I stayed with him for 10 minutes. Right. I drove, I let her go and I stayed with her and I I go, dude, when is this thing going to like turn? Cause it's like, it just kept swimming to the North, like towards the Petersons. It just kept swimming in that direction. I'm like, okay. Okay. And he was swimming and he was like, good swimming. Right. So good for you. Let's, uh, let's kind of summarize this a little bit. You know, you've won the biggest two tournaments of your life, the gold cup, the Met, you catch big fish. You fish with the great anglers of the world. What I'm is, lucky, Andy. Yeah. I'm lucky to fish the people that I fish. I got great people, man. Great people. Well, you know and what? And people that love it as much as I do. And they love fishing with you. I mean, you are not going to have a better experience out there fishing for the poon than fishing with Joe Rodriguez. Well, I don't know about that. There's well, a lot of, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, Andy, there's a lot of great guides here, man. No, there are for sure. I, I mean, there, and, and I'm, and I'm, and I, and I'm blessed to call those guys my friends. Oh, for sure. We got some badass, right. badass tarpon guides. Right. And not just tarpon guides, badass fishing guides. No, I get that. But, but, you, when, but, but you're when one of the guys. But what I'm saying, oh, you're, thanks, you're, Nikki. Not only, I, you're not only one of those guys, but you are the a tarpon guy. Yeah, that you are a tarpon. Yeah, guy. and I and, you, and I like doing everything else. But. And I like doing everything. I like permit fishing. 
I like the, these guys, Dustin and Doug think I'm crazy for moving down here. When I moved down here, they were like, dude, you're moving down here. Are you nuts? And I was like, yeah, I'm moving down here. I love it down there. I want to move somewhere where I think the fishing towards the end of my career is still going to be pretty good. Right. Right. Cause I saw the writing on the wall happening up North when I was living in Miami right. after the freeze and I saw those bonefish die. I was there. I rode out to the bay the day the free the day after the freeze, man. I was picking them up. Snook. No, just bonefish. Bonefish. Dead ones all over the place. From the marina out to the shoreline to the ocean side, there were dead ones. So when I saw that and I saw the fishing. Start declining a little bit. bit and 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 i really enjoyed catching those big bonefish back in the day a lot of guys don't really know that they just think that i that i that i just poon fish man i loved fishing for those damn things right loved it loved it and it was so cool to do because i was just getting into guiding in 98 99 and it was still your eyes were open to the big oh, the big fish of and, and, and it was crazy. What was so crazy about that was that, and you fished it, and you, Nikki, you didn't, you never, you never saw no. it, man. It's a shame. Hopefully, you'll see it someday like that. But you fished. I, I was so respectful and so, um, not afraid, but I didn't want to be in. Croker's way, Billy Knowles's way, Tahara's way, Craig's way. You don't want to step on any toes. I didn't want to be around any of those guys. I like to me, those guys were the dudes that kinda You respected them, but you you, 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 you I, I respected them so much. I respected them so much that I gave them respect times a hundred right on the wall. so what i'm trying to say is that a guy like me who's just starting out i get on the banks that nobody was on and i find them and i'm like holy shit they're mine these things are mine I man found them. this is so cool <laughs> you know i'm throwing at these giants that you know and it's it's sad not to have them around anymore yeah well you still get some great fish in the keys. I mean, even though they may not be 12 and 13 pound bonefish anymore, thankfully the, the lower keys have a lot of bonefish coming back. The yeah. permit fishing is good. The tarpon fishing is awesome. Yeah. You know, you got a great life, man. Yeah. It's not bad. You know, you know, uh, it, it's been a really, really weird year with the COVID and, and early in the spring being out there at times when, and a lot of times I was out there by myself and it was very weird, very weird. But um, talking about the COVID, one of the things I did see and I wanted to bring up in this and, I, and you haven't asked me was how the fish acted when we weren't there and weren't when all the boats weren't around. It was special. I had days, man, where I was like, this is nuts. Like, I've never seen it. I, 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 
places that you and I fish. You know what I mean? In the back country of Florida Bay that I've been fishing 30 years and I never seen as good as they were. Right. We went back in time. Oh we, no, was, we went back 60, 70 years this year. It was crazy. I told somebody that you and I both know, I won't mention his name. I was on a spot that afternoon and I had been fishing um an uh, area. I had been fishing a a, a a body of fish and I stayed out late and I wanted to see if on when the when the water switched, if they would get sucked in to a, a few of the banks that were out there. So I told my guy, I said, "Hey, do you mind? Do you mind if we stay out late afternoon? You know, when the tide switches and starts Gulf rising, see where they go. See where they go." And I'm watching these fish, and it's a body of fish, not. I'm not talking a hundred fish. I'm talking a body of fish and I'm watching them all rolling coming in. Oh yeah. And they're going right to where I was hoping they'd go. I guess. Yeah. You know, maybe they're going to go over there. So I pulled up in there and it was crazy. Like I've never seen it like that. Like strings of, I'm not going to say numbers because People probably won't believe you. People, exactly. And I and I've and I actually mentioned it to a few guys, and they go, "Well, you know, some of these guys ain't gonna believe you." And I go, "I don't give a fuck. Straight up, I don't care. Right? I know what I saw. Right? Well, I know what I saw. So yeah. I make that phone call that afternoon, and I go, "Hey, I'm fishing down south tomorrow. Go take a look. Go straight there. Right." Straight there. Don't go anywhere else. Why didn't you go back there the next morning? Because I had to fucking permit fish. <laughs> <laughs> I had to permit fish the next day. So I'm down. I'm west to Key West. Permit fishing. All I'm thinking about is it's blowing like seven miles an hour out of like the south. And I'm. You wanted to be 30 miles to the north. Permit fishing, you know. So I make a phone call. Hey. And I hear him whispering at me. Let me call you back. Let me call you back. Fuck, I know it's good, man. I'm like, it's eating me up, dude. Eating me up inside. I can't tell you what it was doing to me. Can't tell you what it was doing to me. And so he calls me back and he goes, dude, it is everything you told me. Times. 10. 20. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you who it was after. I don't want to mention I know who it was. I don't want, yeah. And when he saw me at the end of the day, I asked him, I said, have you ever seen anything like that? He goes, never. And nobody will. Never. We're not, we're not old enough. Never. He called me. He called me. He called me at like two o'clock in the afternoon. And he says, dude, there's like a vortex of them off my bow. And they're daisy chaining. As far as I can see. And, yeah. Right. And he says that they were daisy chaining. You can see the water just like foaming. And bro, I was ready to run from Lavina. <laughs> I, was ready to, I was ready to run from Lavina all, all the way across the Gulf. 30 miles north. Oh, dude, it was killing me. Oh, God. Killing me. 
Well, um, it's been great having you on the podcast, Joe Rod. I mean, you've been such a great pal. It's been fun fishing tournaments against you, you know, and collaborating about what we know and what we love for so many years. All of our pals, you know, you're one of those guys that everybody wants to talk about and know. I don't know about that, man. No, you're right in the middle of it, man. You've been. I don't know about that. I just want to be top of the game for so long. I just want to be tucked over here in the corner. No, that's fine. I get that. But winning the gold cup, you know, with a, with with a guy that great cat, great fisherman. Yeah. No kudos to he, you He he uh he the reason we're the reason we're on there is a big reason is cuz of the way he fishes. It's a team. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Abso- absolutely. It's absolutely. Absolutely. And every year we've you know, we miss it by a little bit. It's But you're always in the game. You're, you're always there. I, I I can't wait, man. I can't wait till the third week of June. Yeah. Or the fourth week of June or whatever the hell it is this year. Yeah. Well, Joe Rod, it's always fun hanging with you. And every time I see you, I got a big old smile on my face. I know I, just, I love you, Nikki. Can't can't help to come over there and give you a high five. Likewise. Yeah. Andy. Love you, man. Thanks. I love for you, sure. buddy. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, for sure. The 56-year-old Gold Cup is the most prestigious tarpon fly tournament in the world, and it's only fitting the name Joe Rodriguez is etched in his plaque of champions for the rest of time. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please do us a huge favor and give us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you'd like to see more content or behind the scenes, please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. We'll see you again soon.